I deny you, Rand said hoarsely. I deny that you hold any power over me. I deny that you are. Balsamon laughed, a rich sound rolling from fire. Do you think that it is that easy? But then, you always did. Each time we have stood like this, you have thought you could defy me. What do you mean, each time? I deny you. You always do, in the beginning. This contest between us has taken place countless times before. Each time your face is different, and your name. But each time it is you. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and someone who's never read the series before read through each of the 14 books in this very long series. A warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 41 through 46 of The Eye of the World. I have not read past chapter 46, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Eye of the World or the other 13 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 46, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Last episode, we had Perrin get rescued by Nynaeve, Moraine, and Lan, Perrin and Egwene, and Rand fell off the wall into the royal palace of Andor, and we met Egwene, not Egwene, Elaine, Gawain, Galad, Morgays, Gareth Bryn, and Elida. whole bunch of people. This week, with chapter summaries courtesy of dragonmount.com, Rand recounts his adventure to Loyal and the innkeeper, Master Gil. Moraine and the others arrive at last, but Matt, under the influence of the Shadar Logoth dagger, tries to kill Moraine. While Moraine attempts to heal Matt using her Angriol, the others catch up. Rand introduces his friends to Loyal. Matt comes down, not fully healed, but with the dagger's power contained. Loyal asks Moraine about a story he heard from an Aeoman about something called the Eye of the World. Perrin and Egwene heard the same tale from the Tinkers. Rand, Matt, and Perrin admit to hearing the phrase in their dreams. Moraine asks whether Loyal can take them to Faldara using the ways. Loyal explains that the ways are no longer safe, but Moraine believes the world is in danger and will use them anyway. Rand wakes from yet another dream of Balzaman, this time bleeding from a wound he received during the dream. Loyal leads Moraine's party to the Waygate, which is hidden in a cellar. They step through into darkness and travel along winding ramps and crumbling bridges. A broken bridge forces Moraine's party to backtrack. They camp. Land believes someone is following them. Moraine finds proof that Trollocs have been using the ways. Almost to their destination, Rand hears the sound of wind, a ghostly wind called Majin Shin, which eats people's souls. The waygate is locked. Moraine cuts through it, and they escape. Moraine's party exits the ways near Faldara, hundreds of miles from where they started. Lan is welcomed like royalty. The pursuer from the ways turns out to be the peddler, Padden Fane, who somehow survived Majin Shin, but appears to have been driven mad. All right. We're near the end, and you can really tell. Yeah. Things are happening. Things are happening. We pick up with, as I said, the groups. Everybody's back together now. We had a little mini reunion last time. Now's the big one. And they're all really excited to be back together. Except for Matt. Well, at the beginning. Yeah, he gets happier later. Yeah. We get old Matt for a We get bit. old Matt back, and I think that's great. That's like, they kind of have, it's like a mini reunion at first. Because is it really a reunion if Matt's not himself? Like No. So the reunion is really when Matt comes downstairs and is like, okay. I'm healed now. Yeah. Because that's like the first time that they're all together. Yeah. Because... And themselves as right. much as they can be. Because we we find out, we get it confirmed for sure here that it's the dagger affecting Matt. Right. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that corruption from the dagger and like explain exactly. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Matt's just real fucked up from it. And basically what I gather from what Moraine says here is that the dagger carries kind of the taint of Shadow Logoth. So anybody who's carrying it, and eventually if somebody carries a piece of Shadow Logoth for long enough, they start to emanate it. They start to act like the people from what was once Hall, drawing in on themselves, becoming greedy and suspicious to the point where they find everybody else repulsive and out for them. Yeah. Which is exactly what was happening to Matt. 
he he clearly fought back against it and Moraine said that it was a battle between the taint and Matt's soul and for a little while Matt was winning but there was no no true victory was going to be had right and I think that your theory about when Matt had to be selfless when Rand was sick probably went a long way to staving off that taint I think so I think that was part of like him starting to win the battle a little bit because right. he was directly opposing what the dagger is causing because the dagger causes like the suspicion of all other people and being repulsed like you said repulsed by everyone and so just the act of caring for another person yeah directly opposes that because i i kind of phrase it from like what would mordeth do the worst possible thing at all times but mordeth would never help another person right mordeth would only ever try and get something from them exactly uh, kind of a, a zero-sum game, right? Like, if, if you're winning, I'm losing. Yeah. And for a while, Matt was definitely like that. And at the end, he was far past that, too. He tries to stab people with the dagger. Specifically, he tries to kill Moraine real hard. Yup, and Lan is like... He's not struggling, but he... Like, you, like Rand has a moment where he, like describes he can see the muscles in Lan's hand flexing, trying to keep Matt from stabbing Maureen. Yeah. Just, but also casually. He's just he's still talking, there. and he's just standing there, but his hand is working really hard, which is just like a great Lan. I love Lan. Lan's great. I think Lan is my favorite character. That's a totally valid favorite character to have. I love him so very much. We'll get to... That's fair. We'll get we'll get to my favorite part. There are revolving around land. Later there are the multiple episode. layers of why you like land. <laughs> yeah, there are multiple layers. But yes, so uh, <laughs> Matt gets Matt gets real sick, and it's like at a at a inflection point when Moraine arrives, which lucky him, but yeah. also he confirmed main character. <laughs> He's Taviran. Of course, it happens like that. Yeah. Moraine heals him, and it seems to take her less work. Than it did healing Tam at the beginning. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's maybe just because she was tired from fighting Trollocs in the Two Rivers. It could be. It does. And she doesn't fully heal him. She fully healed Tam. Right. She just contained it. Right. And like she clearly has to keep doing it because she has to do it again towards the end of this section. Does she do it again? Yeah. There. There's a moment where he's like clutching at his dagger yeah and she passes over him whispers something and it seems to relax him so you think that was her i think that was her i think that was her like re-upping okay whatever i don't necessarily think that but i you might be right it could be redoing and it could also be she admits that she's not great at healing at the beginning yeah and it could also be that containing this type of evil is fundamentally different at least as the one power is concerned to healing yeah but it does seem like her thing is destroying evil right and and shadow logoth is evil it's just a different kind of evil yeah so she might just be better at that i think she is better at that but yeah i think i think that was kind of a re-upping because he does like relax and then take his hand off his dagger yeah she does that a couple times actually yeah so i think that's kind of re-upping okay whatever not like a full healing but like a I also think Matt has some sort of, uh, it, it struck me that Matt had some sort of reaction to Pat and Fane above and beyond what he has to other people. To Pat and Fane? The beggar. What do you mean? Well, like when, he, when Pat and Fane shows up and starts talking all crazy, mm-hmm. at, at, the, at the end when he like switches personalities for the first time. Oh yeah, that was weird. Matt's like, we have to talk about fuck that this later, guy. But, oh yeah. Fuck this guy in particular. I'm going to stab him. He doesn't say it. He just like starts to move a little bit. Yeah. And that's when Maureen does the thing again. Right. But that's jumping ahead a lot. Yeah. It, Matt's corruption thing is interesting. And they, Maureen says that she wasn't able to fully heal him. And that they basically have, they had to go to Tarvalin for that. <laughs> they were going to Tarvalin. They were anyway. going to Tarvalin anyway. Although, except now not they're anymore. taking a side trip. <laughs> we discover, one thing we discover here is, is that, one, the boys have been idiots and not been sharing their creepy balsam on dreams with the wizard. Well, yeah, we knew that. And then they were separated for the longest time. Right, so but I mean, this is the first opportunity they've had. But I mean, like, confirmed had. they're idiots. Yes, confirmed they're idiots. They should have been sharing these dreams the entire time. And she said something about, like, I'm mad at myself, not you. 
Yeah, I'm not mad. I could, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, it was a very, <laughs> very mom. Um, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed because she's like, if I had known, I would have been able to stop these dreams. Now, every time he comes to you, the easier it gets. Right. Which reminds me of another bit of lore or magic that I just can't place right now. There are a couple references to lore and magic in this section. It might, it might be reminding me of the Voldemort getting into Harry's head thing and Dumbledore and Snape and everyone and Hermione says the same thing to Harry. It's like, if you can't figure out how to block him, it's just going to get easier and easier for him to invade your dreams. Right. And then it's not just invading his dreams at that point with like actual images. He's able to warp and cause him to have dreams, which is why poor Sirius dies. Rip. Rip. I mean, clearly Balzon can already do that because yes. those dreams are not normal. No, those dreams are not normal. But it, yeah, I think that might be what it's reminding me of. And we also, uh, jumping ahead to the dreams a little bit, he has another, Rand, Matt, and Perrin all have another dream. Mm-hmm. Or at least, at least Rand and Matt do. I don't know if Perrin does. Yeah, he's not in there with them, which seems weird. Yeah, but... I mean, so so the dream is that they are... Confront, they confront Balzaman, or Balzaman confronts them, and there are these little statues that seem to represent them. Perrin's has a little wolf next to it, Matt has a dagger, and Rand has a sword. Right. Kind of like the identifying things for them at the moment. Yeah, and those are the only really intricate parts of it. Rand really describes the fact that they look kind of like crudely shapen to their they figures. They don't have faces. Their stature is kind of crude. But those, like, he says that the wolf is really intricate for Perrin. The dagger is really intricate. And he can lean into this tiny little figurine and see a heron on the blade. Right. Which, but the rest of the figurine itself is very crude and not well done. Which makes me think, and it makes Rand think, that he doesn't really know who's who. Right. And that he doesn't know much about them except for these identifying features. He knows he's after one of them, and which kind of makes sense because the way he's been he's been saying the same things to all of them except for Perrin so far. The only thing the only, the only difference so far has been Perrin's has changed when he started talking to the wolves. Well, and that's how we're he has the wolf figurine. We don't know that whatever dream that we don't know that whatever dream Rand and Matt had that night because I'm they usually have the dreams at the same time. Yeah. I'm so I'm assuming that Matt and Rand had a dream that night, the same night Perrin did. Mm-hmm. We don't we know don't, what theirs looked. We like. don't know what theirs looked like. Right. So it could have been they well, could the dreams could be changing to fill in their more identifying features now. True, but I, the wolves seemed to have. It seems to me like aside from what they themselves do in the dreams, they have very little actual agency in them. Balzman's in control there. When Perrin was having the dream, it didn't seem like the wolves lacked agency. Or else Balzman wouldn't have killed them. Mm-hmm. Balzman decided... He wouldn't have needed to. Right, because they would they would have been his. The wolves were kind of a third party. Well, because the they're acting as protection for him, which... Yeah, Perrin... Moraine points out, yeah, Moraine points out that, you know, like, I can't act as protection for you against these dreams all the time. You need to find your own protection. And then Perrin has, like, a little smile, and he's like, I think I've found mine. Right. Which he's, accept- he's accepted these wolves, and he kind of likes it. Has he, though? Because he's, uh, he also is, like, might as well die. I, he's got mixed feelings on it, but I think, like, if it, I think what he's not, sold on is the implications of having this connection to the wolves but i think just if he were like elias and just like noped off into the woods he would love his connection okay like i think what he doesn't necessarily like is that people don't trust his connection when okay. he has and he also doesn't know what it means because he's very conflict like he killed two white cloaks easily right and he doesn't like that he didn't remember it he like blacked out in feral rage and killed two white cloaks and now he's like i could i could do that and i think part of him's like what happens if i just lose control around people i love yeah that is a very valid fear for perrin and i think everyone picks up on that in this section because rand especially rand gets fucking astute here 
Yeah, it's a little out of character. A little bit, but to I, also, be honest. I also think some of that might just be the compressed timeline. Uh, he had to get a lot more savvy when they started traveling alone. He, he started mm. doing it a little bit with Tom when he wasn't acting all weird. But especially when they were like going from end to end, he started to like notice more things. Because he picked up on Samuel Haig wanting to rob them real quick. He did. He's he, gotten a lot. Yeah, he has gotten a lot more observant. It's just, I think, highlighted in this when he's around people he knows. Because when, when Maureen comes down with a semi-healed Matt... Everybody else is like, oh my god, Matt's feeling better. But Rand isn't like, oh my god, Matt's feeling better. The first thing he notices is that Matt still has the dagger. And he looks at Moraine. He's like, what's going on here? Like, what whiskey, tango, foxtrot, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) And Moraine, I don't know if this is a good idea for Moraine to have done or a bad one. But she, like, quietly tells Rand what's up. Oh, she didn't tell everyone else? No. Oh, I just read that. Because nobody else noticed. I just read that as she told the whole room. She may have told parts of it to the whole room, but she definitely only told Rand that he was still taught that he still needed to carry the dagger because time apart from the dagger would probably kill him. Mm, yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's... it's uh... Between that and him picking up on Perrin not feeling okay. And he keeps noticing Perrin's eyes, which everyone does at first. Yeah, that's pretty pretty easy to notice. They're gold now. He keeps talking about it. And then it's not until like way later in the section that he's finally like, wolf. That's what they remind me of. I think everybody else might be coming to the same conclusion, just we're not in their heads. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Matt isn't. Matt has a lot going on. Right. I think, he's, he's still fighting the taint. Right. I, I think Loyal might just straight up know what it is, because he's, oh, you're our oldest shit, and have very, very long memories. And I on and they're vaguely druidic, so I feel yeah. like he'd be like, oh, cool, you can talk to wolves. Like, yeah. I know a guy, I knew a guy the other day that did that 50 years ago. <laughs> right, just the other day, just the other century. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so while they're at the inn, we realize we, the readers, everybody in the room realizes we need to go to the Eye of the World. It keeps coming up from different places. We have three Tavir in here. It's it's no longer pure coincidence that the Eye of the World keeps coming up. We need to go there and stop the forces of evil from taking it. And how it comes up is interesting because Loyal just is like, oh. I haven't encountered an Aes Sedai before. I have, I've had this question for a while. Can I, can, like, I know that we're all, like, in a rush to get to Tarvalin, but can we sit and have, like, a really long story time about this thing that I don't think is actually relevant to the storyline? Yeah. And then Perrin's like, wait, I've also heard that storyline. And Rand's like, oh, yeah, they've been having, we've been having that in our dreams. And Maureen's like, damn it. Yeah, so. She's like, Why? Why is this relevant? But then she's also like, I smell the plot. I need to go to the plot. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> before it's like, okay, well, we're just going to Tarvala. And now it's like, <laughs> plot. <laughs> and she's about the plot. She is. And it just makes me, it makes me laugh. Because like, it is simultaneously good writing and bad writing that like, it's basically like, ooh, I smell a plot. Let's go to it. Because he wrote it into the world building. <laughs> he covered his own ass so he well. He covered his own ass so well with Tamirin. Because you know, just... you know, if the boys hadn't been there, Loyal wouldn't have said anything. Right, he The only have. reason Loyal's talking about this Aiel who was at a setting the other day, 50 years ago. Is because, is because we've got main fucking... characters in the room. Right. And main characters with the power of being a main character. <laughs> big writing dick energy (laughs) (laughs) that's entirely fair and i love it but i'm also like i can never get away with this no i don't write in this genre you don't to be fair the genre you write in is just kind of an accepted trope that's true it's like huh 75 percent of the way in uh it's time for them to break up now yep for some reason speaking of people breaking up or not breaking up Potentially. There's a lot of good Randon and Gwen stuff here. There is. I enjoy it. And I also, I think mainly the reason I enjoy it is Matt and Perrin making fun of him for Matt it. Matt and Perrin just endlessly rib Rand on everything. I From so many different it. angles. And Perrin also aims some of it at Gwen. He does. Which is fun. Because, so the, the way that this starts is 
ran, while they're talking about traveling, and we'll get to the ways after this, because the ways are a big, a big thing. While they're talking, Rand just offhand, offhandedly mentions Elaine. And she's like, who's, who's Elaine? Elaine? Everybody's like, oh, it, well, no, it's just Egwene. Just Egwene is like, who is Elaine? And he's just like, oh, the daughter heir. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and then Perrin is like sipping his tea and he's just like, I don't think you have room to talk since you were dancing with the Tinkers. <laughs> and she's yeah, like, you want, you want to talk about Aram? <laughs> She's like, shut up, Perrin. We know how it is with Egwene. It can, she can dish it out. She cannot take it at all. She cannot take it. And Rand at least can take it a little bit. Yeah, you can. He can't give it nearly as well. No. But, yeah, I do love the Perrin teasing Egwene thing, which makes me ship them even more. Yeah. That reminded me, Because it's going to be like a... I feel like the Perrin and Egwene thing is going to be a slow burn, and I'm hoping for it. Like, <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. Okay. So, do, I mean, I guess you officially ship Perrin and Egwene now. I think I do. Okay, cool. Because I think I like Rand and Elaine better. Okay, that's fair. And like, I, I know, I know that... So is this two new ships then? I already was on the but you Perrin fully. and Egwene. I don't know that I'm fully on anything except for Land and Nynaeve. I think I'm okay. leaning towards that now. Okay. <laughs> but I just, I think it's mainly just because of Land. That's fair. I love Land. I love Land. Land has many different things going on for him. It's true. Before we get to the ways, I, I was reminded of one thing. We learn a little bit more, again, we, we get like very small bits here and there about internal Aes Sedai politics, because we learn that Moraine and Elida do not like each other. Yeah, Moraine, the second Elida's mentioned, she's like, basically, it's like, what the fuck does that bitch have to do with anything? <laughs> And she, like, Ma uh, Master Gill, Basil Gill, the innkeeper, is like, before Moraine shows up, he's like, if Elida has her eyes on you, you need to leave. Yeah. Because he likes the queen, and he likes Aes Sedai well enough for a random dude, but he, he doesn't really like Elida. Seems like not really anybody likes Elida. No. Except for Morghese, who seems to kind of, sort of, tolerate her. Yeah. I don't understand that relationship. We haven't seen much of it in yeah. order for us to be able to understand it, but... That is true. But we learn Moraine's Aja. She's blue. Blue. And Elida's red. Mm -hmm. So no wonder they don't get along. Those are opposition colors. Is that something that I would have learned if I would played Pokemon as a kid? I mean, also, if you just have a basic understanding of colors. That too, but like, <laughs> I don't know, red and blue, like the opposition. Yeah. It makes me think of Pokemon, even though I did not play Pokemon as a child. That's fair. I don't think you would have necessarily had to have learned this from Pokemon, but I mean, it's like it's red and blue. They don't get along. They're but they make colors. purple, and purple's such a nice color. Unfortunately, there is no purple Aja. That makes sense. I feel like if they're going on a primary color track, there are because there's we've I gotten like seven Ajas. We've gotten the ones we've gotten named are the black, red, and blue Ajas. Yeah, and the black is just kind of like a boogeyman tail because they're the evil ones. Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't say they're of the black Aja. They'd lie and say they're of a different one. Right. So is that one of the seven then, or is that... The seven are infinitesimally minor spoilers here. You learn about all of them and what they do later. Knowing the colors is unimportant. Uh, red, blue, green, white, yellow, brown, gray. Okay. I think we've talked... I think I've heard white Aja before too, but I don't know. Maybe. There's not a whole bunch of mentions of the Ajas here in this book. They don't really start to come into play until at least the next one, and they become a, a bigger deal a little bit further in. Okay. Not, they're never absolutely Yeah, I don't huge. really understand what the Ajas are other than just... You're not supposed to here. Like, units, I guess. Yeah, you're not supposed to here. Uh, there's no reason for you to know or care at the moment, other than that the red and the blue don't seem to... Or at least one red and one blue don't seem to get along. Well, I feel like the one red does not get along with any Aja, probably even within her own. Potentially. Because Elida She's a piece of work. <laughs> like, she's a piece of work. <laughs> but yes. So, getting back to the main point, which is... The Waygates. The Ways and the Waygates. We get Loyal story time Again. Again. Which is still kind of fun. This one's less fun because Loyal... Like, this one's also less fun because I feel like Loyal is having less fun telling it, which I like. I like that you get 
the mood of the person telling the story in the story. He does not want to be telling the story. He does no. not want to go to the ways. He is he is not happy that he's signed up on this journey now. No. He was all set to just travel with his new friend Rand. That was what he was excited for. He's like, oh, I'll go to Tarvalin. I'll see some trees. And he's never going to see trees. Poor, he's never going to see trees. He'll see some trees. There won't be trees he wants to see. He's not going to see the trees that he was looking for. No. It seems like he's going to see 0 out of 10 trees, not 10 out of 10 trees. He's going to see negative 10 out of 10 trees. Okay. I'm not looking forward to negative 10 out of 10 trees. Like, yeah. on a scale of, like, bleeding tree of death to the whomping willow, is that what we're... Yeah. So, for the listeners of the podcast, they're not going to get this, but the, the region in our D&D game that I world built for the wastelands is loosely modeled after the blight. Both are bad Yikes. times. <laughs> I've been in the wastelands. That was not fun. Negative 10 out of 10 trees. Negative 10 out of 10 trees. Oh dear. The wastelands were not fun. No. No, they were not. They weren't supposed to be. Anyway, so the ways. go to the blight. And now I know why they don't want to go to the blight. Yeah. Because the blight sucks. <laughs> and the fastest way for them to get there is the ways. Which it also sucks. Yeah. At least the ways seem to have once been really cool. Because the story behind them is that after or during the breaking of the world, when Mel, I said I were going crazy because the Dark One tainted Sidene, a bunch of them hid in the steading, where Loyal reveals that not only can they not touch the true source, the one power, they can't even feel it there. Egwene kind of got right. That she was a insta- bit. she was unsettled when she entered the steading when they were running from the ravens. That's why she she subconsciously can feel the one power, and so when she couldn't anymore, she didn't feel right. Right, like it just like cut out a bit of her. Yeah, and so the male eyes that I hid there uh, because they didn't want to go crazy, and kind of in thanks for it, they would travel to the edge of the steading, and they created this alternate dimension called the ways, which is you can travel from waygate to waygate very quickly along these bridges in this alternate dimension very quickly. They travel from uh, Andor and Camelon to the city of Faldara, which is way far north. It's probably like two or three months of travel. Mm-hmm. Think like multiple times the length of time it took them, even accounting for all the detours for them to get to the two from the two rivers to Camelon. Yeah, which I don't know what the timeline of it is, but it seems like it was like a month. About. I feel like a month is right. I don't actually know, but it wasn't a huge amount of time. But it wasn't like a couple, it wasn't like two weeks either. Right. It was an effort. Yeah. It it would have been an effort even if they didn't get separated and besieged on all sides by creatures of the Dark One. Right. So the ways were once beautiful. They had, you know, things growing in them and trees and it was lit. But then... Over time, they had reports of people hearing a wind in the ways, but there wasn't supposed to be any wind. Eventually, this thing called Machin Shin, the Black Wind, came about and would eat people's souls and make them go crazy. And then they stopped being able to use the ways. That was about a thousand years before this, before the events of the book. And at a point, as uh, during the story time, Nynaeve asks, like, well, how did, if they didn't have access to the One Power, how did they create it? And Loyal's like, I don't know, and that's why we don't... That You're kind of getting to the point of why oh, we no longer use no, it. They know why... They know how they could do it. They don't know why it went bad, but the how is because they literally just went to the edge of the setting. They, like, went to the border of the setting, took one step outside, did their magic, and went back in. Hmm. That's not what that whole section was about? Well, there's sec- that, that section is about why the ways are tainted. And the, the short answer is nobody knows. The longer answer is that some people think that without, like, maintenance... It fell. Um, whatever Machin Shin existed before and just grew. Uh, some people think that it's related to, since it was created only using Sidene, and Sidene was tainted at the time, that it just planted a seed of taint inside the ways that grew as time went on and if decayed I'm putting the ways. If I money on one, it would probably be that one. I, I would also do that. It's never quite confirmed, but it is just yeah. bad. It sounds like a mess. It is. And I understand why Loyal didn't want to go there. Yeah. 
Because it also, like, he can just feel its presence, which is also a little Uh, unsettling when they're, like, trying to find the way gate. Yeah. He's like, I can't explain it. It's like trying to explain to someone how to breathe. Yeah. Well, one thing we get here is that Ogiers, not all Ogiers, but some, Loyal's one, can sing to trees and they'll grow. Is that what that, what the song of growing is? Is that literally just literally a song of growing yeah you sing to a tree and it grows that's cool yeah i want to be able to sing to a tree and and so some of the way the the male eyes that i gave these talismans to the ogier and the talismans allowed the ogier to sing the ways into existence okay so he's one of those people that can just do it right and so he has some he has a connection to them that just solidifies the Taviran thing even more. Because it's like they had to meet Maureen one of the one on Ogier that can actually do this. Moraine comments at they they need to leave Camelin, mm-hmm. but they can't leave Camelin. But they have somebody who can take them the only way that they can possibly get out without anybody catching them. They just by chance ran into them. Yeah. Plot. Plot. And it's built into the world. And the, the the great thing about it is that it wouldn't necessarily even feel super like this ha- is happening because of plot for it to happen without that being specified. Because, like, yeah, it's it's loyal. It's He's a not human. It's not that weird for him to have weird abilities. But he did put, like, Jordan did put the not all Ogier could do this. If all Ogier could do it, just like, oh, you happen to run into an Ogier. Yeah. But it's like, it seems like it's kind of a rare power for Ogier even. I think it, the way it was explained to me and the way I understand it is that it is not common, but also it's sort of fallen out of favor. So not a whole bunch of Ogier choose to learn it. So it's kind of like a, you have the ability, but then you also learn to channel it kind of thing. Because right. Loyal mentions that he was sort of like pressed into learning it. He didn't necessarily want to. He just wanted to read his books. Mm-hmm. But Elder Hanan, who comes up a lot, was like... No, you can do this. You need to learn how to do it. Please do it. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'm just 70 years old. What do I know? <laughs> just 70. Yeah. So the ways are bad. The ways are bad. But um, we do eventually come out of the ways. We spend a couple chapters there. And that's where a lot of the, like, random mad and parent ridding gets. Well, yeah. In. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in the ways. So the ways are decaying because they yeah. have to find a new bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Trollocs in the ways. And that is how the Trollocs were able to get places so quickly. Without being seen. Without being seen. And then when they get to the other... When they get to the gate outside of Faldaran... Faldara. Faldara. The leaf from the... Basically the tree of life. Yeah, so the leaves are the keys. The key is gone. Yeah. So... Moraine Moraine has to melt the stone... And then Lan busts through it like the Hawaiian punch guy. Lan riding his horse. Mandarb is fucking... Can we just have a Mandarb appreciation moment? Because I kind of also love Mandarb. I Probably because I love Lan. Also, just because Mandarb's a badass. Mandarb's a badass. For not having hands. He's good. Because <laughs> one of my favorite Mandarb moments is like when they're getting to the stables. Mm-hmm. Mandarb is like not happy to see anyone and he's mildly okay seeing Lan, whereas all Deeb's just, like, just like, hi, mom, <laughs> give me nuzzles. All Deeb just wants love. <laughs> and Mandarb just like, sup. <laughs> but when he, when Moraine melts the, the door, Lan's just like, fuck it, I'm going. And he charges Mandarb, and Mandarb like puts his head down, like just like bashes it with his shoulder. And he's a goddamn horse. Well, he's a war horse. He so is a war, war horse. horses do actually do that. Because Rand says something. He's like, like a war horse would go into battle and thrust yeah. itself into something else. But yeah, Mandarp is great. Lan is great. Yep. And they bust through the wall like a Hawaiian punch guy. And I'm surprised that isn't a meme yet. And if you know how to make <laughs> memes, you should absolutely do it. Kool-Aid man, Lan. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Hawaiian Punch Guy. Does the Hawaiian Punch Guy do it too, or is it just the Kool-Aid Man? Pretty sure the Kool-Aid Man is filled with Hawaiian Punch Kool-Aid. Okay. It's like the big picture. The big, or the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's Kool-Aid Man. Kool-Aid Man. Land the Kool-Aid Man. Right. Uh, the reason that they're cutting through so abruptly also is because 
Imagine Shin's there. Yep, and Rand can hear the souls whispering. Which is creepy AF. Yeah, the it's like they're like eating souls and they taste good. And that's they, basically what that's basically what the wind is saying, like, mmm yeah. souls. Yeah. Yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a bad time. And so they're like, oh, holy fuck. Like, we gots to go. Yeah. The thing that kind of strikes me about Machin Shin is that Machin Shin is evil and is maybe born out of the taint, but it it almost feels more like the evil of Shadow Logoth. That's what it reminded me of. Just like the whispering and talking about flesh. Flesh, that's what the... Like, the, like focus yeah. on like a physical body. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. I... And the Trollocs were like frozen in... St- the dead Trollocs were like frozen in stone. Yeah. When they were going across it, which like someone threw up. Rand doesn't know who because he didn't turn around and he was trying to also not throw up. Yeah, it's a bad time. Don't go. I don't know why, but my money's on Perrin. (laughs) Maybe. Well, Perrin has an enhanced sense of smell. Yeah, so probably Perrin. There was somebody else in the ways too. They they do note that they're loosely being followed. I thought that was by the Trollocs. No. No. Okay. Because Lane would have known if it were Trollocs. Oh right. Yeah. Although he. That's another thing that's just creepy about the ways is that Land's like, I can't really tell everything feels wrong. Yeah. Because it's tainted by the Dark One. Right. I So he's just deeply unsettled the entire time they're in the ways. Which fair. And then he continues to be upset or unsettled when they get too far darn Dal Dara. Fall Fall Dara. Dara. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Fantasy names. This is one of the easier fantasy names. It's not Nynaeve or Egwene. Those are easy. Or Gawain. Those are all easy. If, like, they remind me of Arthurian legend. And Faldara is easier. I just... Look, I have mild dyslexia, so... That's fair. <laughs> There's too many I letters. I am pretty sure that the person following them is Patton Payne. I'm like 99% certain it's Patton Yeah, Payne. that would make sense. How because... else would he get to Faldara that quickly? Yeah, because he was in He was Camelin. in Camelin. Because he, he was the beggar who yeah. pointed, ran down to the mob. And if they didn't... And if he didn't, if they closed the door on him, then he would have gotten sucked by the wind. Uh, he probably did, because he came out later. Because he's not okay. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that if they closed they closed the door right behind them. Yeah. And so he didn't get out with them, and therefore the, the wind got him. Yeah, well, they didn't close the door. They couldn't close the door. Oh. They melted it open. Yeah. But he was following them at a distance, so right. he probably got... Because the wind was, like, lapping at their cloaks, so it was, like, right there. Yeah. And they saw it, basically, because mm-hmm. that was when they heard the, like, actual real talking. Yeah. It was when they were outside and the wind was trying to get out. And it couldn't. Right. Which is it's from the ways. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably Pat and Vane. Yeah. I'm fairly certain it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a dark He was a dark friend, yeah. so also not We'll really... get to Pat and Vane. There's some stuff to talk about with Pat and Vane. First, though, we get to Faldara, which is a very different place. Yes, it's in the, I want to say Badlands, but that's not. Borderlands. Borderlands, which is where Lane is from. Yep. And, and they love him. Yeah, and they seem, they're calling him something else. Daishan. Daishan. They also really love giving that one greeting to Loyal. The one greeting. That section, I was a little, I was confused about the stuff up until Pat and Fane. Like that, like Tarwin's Gap. Tarwin's Gap is a place. Uh, I was confused about all of that. So maybe we can just go over what happens in that section. Yeah, so they show up. Lan has them take all of the, like, coverings and hoods off because it is illegal in the Borderlands to go around with your face covered. And actually, for good reason. Fades can't hide if they can't cover their face. And this is a place where that might happen. Right. It's very, very militaristic, which makes sense. They're on the border of the Blight. Yeah. The Blight border. The Borderlands. (laughs) (laughs) But they show up. And they, at first they don't, they're like, who the fuck are you guys? Why are you outside? Everybody's in the village. Everybody's in this, in this like fortress city. Mm-hmm. Why are you outside? And then they're like, oh, fuck it, Lan. Hi. <laughs> and they call him Daishan, which we don't find out what that is. The Lord of the, of Faldara. God, what's his name? I don't know. <sighs> I just called him somebody. I should know his name. He comes up a lot. There are like 80 billion named characters. I am momentarily blanking on his name, but I do know who it is. Anyway, he he's, he knows Lan. He's older than Lan. He's kind of, he's like an older man. Yeah. He seems to have some sort of, res- like a good deal of respect for Lan. Because he tries to get Lan to go into battle with him at Tarwin's Gap, where they think a large uh, shadow spawn army is going to attack. 
because they've been attacking villages up and down, and they tend to amass an attack at Tarwin's camp when that happens. Uh, they give a lot of greetings in the old tongue. Yeah, I think one that's part of where specific, my confusion started to come from. Yeah, they give one specific to Moraine, and one specific to Lan, and then one specific to Loyal. They call, they they tell Loyal glory to the builders a lot, which just kind of is like a reference to the fact that Ogier are these like god tier stone spaces. And they built the... They built the gates. Yeah, and they built the city that they're in before it got destroyed. Yeah, Loyal's sad about that. Because of the trees. Agelmar, that's his name. He's Lord Agelmar. There we go. We had to get off the topic for you in order. Yeah. Like in order for you to remember. Lord Agelmar. <laughs> Lord of Faldara, which is a city in Shinar. One of the borderlands. <laughs> On the border of the Blight. The Blight border. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. Anyway, it's very basic. Everybody, like, he's just, like, sitting around in armor, Lord Agelmar. As one does. Because it seems like everybody in the Borderlands is always ready to pick up a sword and fight. Everybody. It makes sense that this is where land came from. It does. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. And, because, like, the guards are more alert. The people are more alert. It's just a, a much, much different culture than Andor. Yeah. Because, like, there, there are a good number of similarities between the, like, people of the Two Rivers and even some of the people in Canelan, right? That doesn't exist in Feldara. They're different people. Yeah. Which is good. I like that a lot. While they are talking, they're talking, they talk a little bit about, well, they talk a lot, actually, about where they need to go in the eye of the world. Egomar's like, if you think that this is where the battle is going to be won, let me send, a, you know, an army with you. And Moraine's is like, no, that will slow us down. Yeah. And one interesting thing here is that Agelmar's basically addressing, he addresses Lane a little bit. He addresses Moraine, but he's also kind of addressing Nynaeve and Egwene too. Yeah, that's something that Rand picks up on is that he just, that Lord Agelmar just assumes that Nynaeve and Egwene are there to help Moraine fight whatever right. it is. And he's ignoring everybody else. Yeah. And Rand's like, of course, if there's fight, if the Dark One is going to be fought, it's going to be people who can channel. That means women. Yeah. And that seems to be, that that conversation kind of, to me, puts a piece of Borderlander culture like in, in the puzzle, right? Which is like, women are, women who can channel specifically, but women in general are so valuable because they are so effective at fighting Shadow Spawn in the Dark. Yeah. It's cool. I enjoy all of the, like, go women. Yeah. Because men, like, men who can channel are, uh, are volcanoes are in volcanoes waiting. volcanoes in waiting. And also just women get shit done. They do. In in this universe, and also sometimes in real world, like real life, yeah. most often women get shit done mm -hmm. when you let them get shit done. Hmm. That's and in this world, it's a very clear picture of what would happen if we just let women get shit done. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, quite the story. Yeah. They are interrupted, though. By Padden Fane. By Padden Fane, who was caught trying to scale the walls. As one does. And they're pissed. Agomar is pissed for a great many reasons. He's pissed because what is Patton Fane doing? Right. He's also, I think, arguably more pissed at his guards for not seeing it. Yeah. Which he, like, expects competent guards, and the guards are like, we're sorry, we expect more of ourselves. Yeah. Which, like, it's not the, like, common incompetent guard trope. Which is one, which is a big fantasy trope. Right, but not the Borderlanders. They know what's up, and they they make a mention that the light shelters crazy people. Hmm. I don't understand. It's just funny because it's like, well, crazy. It's like he's insane. Uh, you know, sometimes insane people can do unexpected things, and they get away with it because it's just supposed to happen. Although that's not what's happening. What's happening is that there are three Tavirn in this city, and so that <laughs> yeah. made because Padenfane needed to be able to get to the Lord's office in order to be interrogated by Moraine. Do you think that that needed to happen, or is that just because here we? It's, we'll find out what absolutely... we'll find out what information Padenfane has. True. But I think that like if they had caught him scaling the walls early. Like they were supposed to, mm -hmm. they wouldn't have necessarily brought him to the Lord Commander. They would have just thrown him. Like it might not have happened that way. Right. Um, and he needed to get into that office at the right moment when the gang was in the office with mm -hmm. because even if they were going to bring him into the Lord Commander, if they caught him earlier, it would have been before they showed up. True. Because 
It takes a while to scale a wall. It so does. It does indeed. The timing wouldn't have worked out. That's true. So, plot. I'm not convinced the... that it was necessarily supposed to happen because there are things around Taviran that aren't supposed to happen. It's just there are events that can happen. Or there are events that should happen. <coughs> and so that so there's room for failure with Taviran, but not with really important things. Yeah. I just think that... Like, Tavirin can work in the small ways, too. Sure. Like... It definitely can. I think part of it, like, maybe the boys needed to be split up for a bit. I think they probably did. If they hadn't gotten split up, Perrin wouldn't have been able to talk to wolves. Right. And I think that was a necessary thing. Yeah. And... Rand wouldn't have had to grow up as much. Because... Moraine would have noticed immediately that Matt was acting differently. Right. Probably would have realized the Shatter Logoth thing. And I think that Matt being not Matt for so long is what made Rand grow up. Yeah. Because Rand now is a is a very different person already. Yeah, he is. He's he's a lot more thoughtful, I think. And Matt is as well. I don't know how much of his I'm not how much of the arc of like I just want to go home is gonna stick around now that, now that he's, he's free. Now that he's free or of, at least slightly better. Sl- like slightly free of the control of Shadar Logoth. I don't know yeah. how much of that was influenced by that. But That's fair. Very fair. We do learn one thing about one important thing about Paddenfane here, which is that Paddenfane is a dark friend. Yes. He has been following them basically since the two rivers. And do you, my question is was he a dark friend before the two rivers? Did he go was him being in the two rivers at that time part of why the Trollocs attacked? Did he was he sent to the two rivers to scope out those three boys? It's a good question to have. I'm going to hit you with a read and find out. Okay. <laughs> There's a very clear answer. Okay. I I didn't know if there was a clear answer, if this was like a speculation moment. So if it was a speculation, I would have liked to hear your thoughts. But apparently there's an actual answer. No, so. uh, it's a read and find out for okay. sure. I'm going to put my money towards he was sent to the two rivers as a dark friend. Okay. Especially because like he came with tales of Loghain. It started the whole thing. That's true. The whole thing was kind of predicated on these like stories of Loghain. Right. And yeah, so I think that Okay, cool. I think that's my that's my Other than knowing that he's a dark friend, he is not okay. He's cray. He's yeah. cray cray. Not only does he seem to not be entirely with it to begin with, he's like a dirty as shit. I'm wondering if he's kind of an unwilling dark friend, because the dark friends that we've seen before this have been, like, sort of well off. Well, and because he keeps saying, he made me do it, he made me do it. Right. Um, it, it it could be very much like a like a demon deal. Yeah. Like, he made, he became a dark friend not understanding what being a dark friend could mean. And he was already not having a good time in, what's it, Barillon? Was he in Barillon? Yeah, he was in Barillon. Because this is the third time we've seen Patton Fane. Came I think you were talking about Caitlin. No. The beggar? The not the beggar. Oh. When Oh right, yeah. This they is did the run, time yeah. this is the third time we've seen him as Patton Fane and mm-hmm. we've named him as Patton Fane. Yeah. Was... I'm not counting the beggar because Rand didn't call him Patton Fane. Okay. Yeah, he was not doing so hot in Berlin either. No, he was not. He because he found him. He's like, Don't tell him anyone I'm here. So either Well, which that that's probably just because like, oh, he's a dark friend. Don't tell the eyes to die that there's a dark friend. Yep. Because more if Rand was like, hey, Patton Fane's here and he looks weird, Maureen would be like, fireball. Dark friend. Like, he was in the two rivers and now he's here. Dark friend. Yeah. So either that's the moment he became a dark friend or he was already a dark friend, but I'm leaning towards that he was a dark friend okay. when he came to the two rivers. He also seems to have multiple personalities now. So I have thoughts about that because if he was inside... The ways, mm-hmm. and he no longer has a soul. Yeah, a soul can just pop right in there. Now it makes it he easy. He encounters one, but like, or the dark one could just, like, or the dark shove one, one can there. shove one in there, or the dark one can shove himself in there. And I think it's the dark one talking when he has that second personality. Ooh, okay. I'm a little confused. Okay, that's a cool theory. Read and find out. I know what it is. Read and find out. You will like it. <laughs> Because I, it, he does have this like big personality shift. Yeah. Um. Suddenly. Suddenly. He like suddenly gets into this like highbrow person who like is demanding things. He's demanding things as part of like his right as a guest. Yeah. And he also makes offers to Agamar to help him fight the shadow. Like if you could just do the things I am telling you to do, you could win against the shadow. 
cut is out it, the weak bits. Is it Morda? Is what Morda? Is the voice Morda? Because that's the other... Maybe. Read and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to answer that one for you. Uh, then maybe you can answer me this about Lan. Uh-huh. We get snippets of his backstory, and I'm yep. just a little confused. Okay. So they're calling him Dai Shan. Mm-hmm. Did he adopt another name when he became a warder? Is Daesh or is Daishan a title? It's a title. Okay. And there was something about the Seven Towers and Malakir being dead. Yeah. What is Malakir? A country. Okay. And clearly he fought in this battle because they call him the Diademed. It's another instance of him being called the Diademed Battle Lord of Malkir. Yeah. I'm this I'm guessing sure... happened before he became a warder then? Because he clearly said, I think he said, because he says, like, he's very torn up about not being able to say yes. Yeah, he wants to to go to Tarwin Scap. He wants to help with Tarwin Scap. Because these are his people. Right. And so I think that it just clears up a little bit about warders for me, is that he wasn't raised, he wasn't, like, sent off to a warder camp when he was a kid. And was, like, always raised to be a warder. Is that just a land thing? Like, I, I guess my questions are about, like, warders. You find out a whole lot more about warders in the next book. Okay, cool. Because I think I just want to know more about Lan. Because he's yeah, he's got he's had a lot of character growth in this. I don't know if he's book. had so much character growth as character revelations. Yeah, that's he's probably still that's, the that's same more, land. He's still as he the was same the land, but we just learn so much about right. Lan. And the and thing, I think I think, think the, like the part that I'm saying about growth is also he's letting parts of his personality out around these people now yeah and well they've been through danger yeah he's like bonding with people yeah which is like good i I enjoy it yeah but it's leading to more questions i have about him right one of the things i really like about that kind of like grouping of characters and I'm, i'm gonna this group of characters right now is Lan, Moraine, and Tom. All of them seem, they have some sort of character growth, but they all show up as fully developed characters. With they, They've had history, they have things in their past that are influencing how they act now, and they're written as such. Because they're adults. Right. The boys and Nynaeve, Nynaeve's kind of in the middle, because Nynaeve is really not a huge amount older than the boys, Egwene. No, I imagine that the boys are like 18, Egwene's like 17, 18. Nynaeve's like 28. Okay, I imagine her more in like the 25 range because 28. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Because she still looks young and I imagine Maureen to look around 40. uh, Nynaeve does still look young. It's true. (laughs) And if she was more in her 30s, then she wouldn't, people wouldn't say that she looks young. That's true. You're not wrong. I don't know why you're giving me... He's giving me a look right now, guys. You find out some more stuff. There's so much stuff do to find, find out. Do we find out how old Nynaeve is? Like, uh, well, I think, what do we, what, I think we do know how old Nynaeve is at this point. I just don't remember how old she is. Yeah. Is Does she look young and she's not young? She is just... not as She is not as young as she looks. Okay. I'm guessing channeling just makes you look younger. Yeah. Because I'm guessing... Because Moraine is about Tom's age. But she is described... I don't I don't know how old Tom is. How old is Tom? I've asked this question I want to say Tom's like somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. Yeah, and I feel like her description lends more towards being like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. All Aes Sedai tend to have sort of an ageless quality about them. And that... Does that extend to the warders? Because like how old is Lan supposed to be? Lan is, I want to say, in his 40s. I was going to say early 30s, just based on his, no. like... Based on the amount of ass he kicks? Yeah. No. Because, like... Lin's just that good. <laughs> yeah, because he's, like, nimble. Yeah. I was trying to find that, like, nimbility is not... Nimbility? <laughs> no. I think the word you're looking for is agility. <laughs> that might be the word I'm looking for. <laughs> sure as hell not nimbility. Goddamn. <laughs> One thing Lan is old enough to do, though, is... Read and enjoy poetry. <laughs> yes, this is, I think, my favorite moment in the entire book. I, like, book's not done yet, but I think this and the recurring theme, because it happens multiple times in this chapter. Of <laughs> and they're right next to each other. Per- Rand going, Perrin has such better luck with women, I need to talk to him about women. And it's, like, four times. It's like, dude, he's right there. Like, you can just... 
he's right there. You, you can, can talk. talk to him. Like, pi- like <laughs> <laughs> pillow talk. Pillow talk. <laughs> but like, not in that way. No. I'll leave that to the fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Rand Perrin fanfic would be weird. <laughs> It's out there. I'm sure it is. I'm pretty sure when we were scrolling through AO3 tags, we saw that as one of them. There's it's not, not as often as, as like random Matt. Yeah, which like I get. I get. Matt just, has bi energy. Matt has bi energy, so just put him with anyone. Tends to be what happens on AO3. Is you just pick one person, you put him with everyone. Yeah. But yeah, so Lan reads poetry because he's just sitting here and they're talking, and he quotes something. And uh, Agamar is just like yes. I often read that poem, too. And Rand goes, poetry from Lan? This man is like an onion. Lan is an onion. Lan is like an onion. He has many layers. He has many layers. And he's like, as Rand says, every time I think I've had him figured out, you peel back a layer and there's just more. Poetry, horse riding, swordsmanship, weird caring for Moraine. (laughs) Crush on Nynaeve. Who the hell knows what else land may reveal? How many layers does this onion man have? Yeah. It's like kind of like the how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. The world may never know. I miss those commercials. They come up every year around Christmas, I feel like, which I don't understand. Candy. It's like not a Christmas commercial. It's not a Christmas commercial, but it's old and nostalgic. Yeah, that and like the Santa M&M commercial from the 90s. Yeah. We are not sponsored. I'm just no. talking about commercials. If fucking Eminem wants to sponsor us, though, they won't because we curse way too much. But I'll be open to it. No one's listening. No though. one's listening to this. That could give us a sponsorship because we're also just kind of doing this for fun. Yeah, we are. But no. So yeah, Lan is an onion. Lan is an onion, and he reads poetry, and that makes me love him even more because like he's a he's hot. He has a really awesome horse. He reads poetry. He reads poetry. He fights like a badass, but he doesn't kill everyone he fights. He strikes me as, if he were given the opportunity, the kind of person to have the, like, softness of Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. I have seen those movies once and was very confused. Aragorn has, like, a very, like... I don't even know who Aragorn is. He's uh, Viggo Mortensen. That does not help me. The, the, like, main human, not Sean Bean, with black hair. Wow, you really don't know who you're talking about. I I also really don't know Lord of the Rings. I saw these movies all in one day once ten years ago. He's got the sword. He's like the king. Yeah, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. All right. (laughs) All I remember is Orlando Bloom is blonde and Sean Bean dies in the second movie because Sean Bean can't... He dies in the first movie. He dies in the first... See, those movies are so long I thought it was the second one. (laughs) And I can't read the books because I only have the second edition because none of my ma- none of my covers matched, so I have to get new versions because my covers have to match. And that means you can't read them? Well, because I have to be able to write in them, so I can't oh. get them from the library. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We're also not a Lord of the Rings podcast, so... No, but you tried to make a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah, but like, okay, so Land Strike, like if Land had the opportunity, he would have, I feel like he would have, and I, I know for a case whether or not this may or may not be the truth. I don't want to give anything away. But at this point, he strikes me as the kind of person who, if he needs to, like, be comforting to somebody, he could probably manage to do it. Yeah, I think because he's comforting to Maureen at times. Yeah. Like... Like, he's got a soft side. Yeah. Like He's uh, got, like, a, he's got a soft side, like, but it's reserved... He's a strong, not toxic man. Yes, and he reads poetry, and he would go through a drive-thru and get one black coffee, but not for himself, but for, for Moraine. <laughs> cool. cool. And I just love him. Lan is great. He's the best. This is a Lan Appreciation Podcast. Definitely. This is not a, not a Lord of the Rings podcast. No. Not. We had one episode where it was an Osbeth Luhan Appreciation Podcast, but mostly it's Lan. We're here for Lan Mandragora. We also had an episode where it was a Perrin appreciation podcast that comes up more often than than all about luhan though yeah but we did actually title something it was like this is a parent ibarra appreciation podcast this is an all about luhan no i don't remember the titles of our episodes (laughs) i feel like i write them and i don't remember all right let's get slightly back on track and head to our recurring segments Unless there's something you're scrolling up. Or is there something we didn't... I'm just making sure that we covered everything. Um, random thing. How big is the cellar that the Waygate was in that they could fit eight horses down there? Yeah, that's a good question. How big was it? Was that just like got... an oversight? 
Because we've got Lan, Moraine, Nynaeve. Mandarm. <laughs> we got Lan, Moraine, Nynaeve, Egwene, Perrin, Rand, Matt, and Loyal. And then horses. So nine horses because there's horses. an extra horse. Yeah, a lot of horses. Why did they give Loyal a horse? Loyal does not need a horse. He's like 10 feet tall. He doesn't know if he can move faster. He's 10 feet tall. How did he fit on the horse? They said it looked like a pony. It was a big horse and it looked like a pony. <laughs> I'm saying, poor horse. Yeah. Well, Loyal was saying poor horse. <laughs> Loyal kinda... saying, I have feet, it's fine. <laughs> and Perrin, it's kind of like Perrin trying to ride Bella. He's like, poor Bella. They're both big. They're both big. Perrin Maybe. is not as big as... As loyal. No, but he does. I, I feel like they'd get along because Perrin does have tree like arms. Ah, he really likes trees. I see what you did there. But I'm. I'm mad at myself for that one. So we're yeah. going to go to our recurring segments. Yeah, I think that was the last thing I needed to mention was what the fuck is up in that cellar? And why is it so big? How did they fit a horse down a ramp into the cellar? Yup. How? Who knows? The one power. Taviran. Taviran. <laughs> Taviran. The cellar was always going to be big enough because the plot needed it to be. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yes. Uh, re- recurring segment. <laughs> We're going to do it. Auras. Go. <laughs> Land. I think we're getting a hint at the, like, destroyed towers bit of his, or because we had two images for Lan, mm. and it was destroyed towers and a baby with a sword, which quite literally was a baby with a sword. Yep. We got that as his backstory. And then we get, he says, like, in a fit of anger, talking about, like, he can't fight. Yeah. And the seven towers have already fallen. The seven towers have already fallen. So I'm guessing, like, we're going to learn more about it, but I think that's the Seven Towers is what those destroyed towers are. Okay. It's kind of like the dagger, which is with Matt, where it's like, oh, that's obviously what it, like, that's what it is, yeah. but we need to find out more about why it's impactful. It's not like the lightning, which is like, what is lightning? Yeah, it's like a... Is it literal lightning? Is it conflict? Is it a specific conflict? Is it a lot of conflict? Who knows? And, like... Tom's juggling fire. We haven't seen any of his references yet, which is also why I think he's not dead. That's true. Moraine does also mention that, like, I don't think he's dead. Yeah. She she does. She mentions that she doesn't think Tom is dead. And we haven't seen his images yet. Nope. And now it's quite possible that we could look into the back... Like, we could get more of his backstory and get... And also, the images could not happen if somebody dies. That's true. I don't know. I just don't think he's dead. That's fair. Next one. Ship updates. You have more than you have written. I do. Also, I'm looking at the end of my sentence there, and I just said and, and then it does Some trails. quality Rand and Egwene moments. And. And, and what else? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that th- train of thought was. So yeah, there was some quality Rand and Egwene moments. I... One of them was layered under some great Perrin and Egwene. Like the yeah. Perrin teasing Egwene. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeming confident about it, which I just like to see. I want Perrin to be confident. You want Perrin to be his best self. I want Perrin to be his best self. So yeah, I think I'm firmly falling into the Perrin and Egwene, Rand and Elaine, and Lan okay. and Nynaeve. Lan and Nynaeve, Okay. Like, those are the pairings that I picked. Okay. Now, like, I'm not, like, OTP, like, these are my ships, but, like, sure. these are the pairings that I put people into. Okay. It's a 14-book series, so you have lots of time to change your mind. Right. Like, I will reserve my OTP moment for the end of the series. I'm going to, like... Oh, okay. I Unless one really comes up that I'm, like, absolutely... But I feel like in a 14-book series, I gotta wait till the end to be able to go back and look at all of the ships I've decided over the over the 14 books and go, that is my OTP from this series. That's very fair. Because, like, from Harry Potter, I got lots of ships, but one OTP. Okay. Yeah. Favorite moments. What are your favorite moments? I think my favorite moment is Matt being himself again. Because it gave way to a lot of my favorite bits in this section. Yeah. Because I just really liked that everyone was back together. And, like, there was they were catching up. And there was friendly teasing and There's banter. room for, like, happiness. Because the last, like, when they got separated, it was like, this is the dark times. Right. And now that they're all back together, 
we get to be happy again for at least a little bit. The end of the book is coming up. Who knows what happens? Right. So there's just like this little bit of a reprieve where they're able to like emotionally recover a little bit. And I don't, that wouldn't have happened if Matt wasn't able to be himself again. Yeah. Like, cause him coming into the room, there's like this, he's like, so I was crazy, but you guys can't fault me for the things I did when I was crazy. Right. And Perrin goes, you were always crazy. Yep. And it's just like, oh, boys. Like, Yep. Yay. Also, Lan is like an onion. Lan is like an onion. That is one of my favorite moments. But also, my other favorite moment is similarly at the beginning. But it's not Matt being himself again. It's the cats of the Queen's Blessing. I forgot that was Rand comes back from running from the royal palace. And Lamguin, the like bouncer, is just like lounging with a cat, petting it. And there are like three more cats inside. And when they catch up with Moraine in the like back of the inn... There's another cat who's like rubbing up against Basil Gill and then notices Moraine is like, hello, I'm going to go say hi. And then while they're having this like dark conversation about the ways, the cat like jumps in Moraine's lap. And she's just like, oh, hey. It's like, yeah, it's a cat. What's up? I love cats. Moraine is an animal person. Moraine's a cat person. But like she also gives Aldi pets and muzzles. That's well, that's because Aldi demands them. The cat was not demanding it, jumping up into... Yeah, Aldeeb is a cat. That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> Mandarb is a fucking beast, and Aldeeb is a cat, which matches Lan and Moraine quite well. Yeah. So those were the favorite moments. This was episode 9, chapters 41 through 46. Next episode, episode 10, 47 through 53, the end. Yep, it's the last section, so we're probably... We're going to be talking about that section, but we're probably also going to talk about... The, like, book, the as book as a whole. Yeah. Just like go through it and final thoughts now that I've read the whole thing. Yup. So, and we might talk about what might happen in book two, The Great Hunt. Yes. Which we have on our shelves. We so. do. We actually got it delivered. <laughs> we didn't wait until absolutely the last moment, which is progress. All right. So this was episode nine, chapters 41 through 46. In two weeks, we'll be... The last episode through the end of the book, chapters 47 through 53. Bye. Bye.